It is Tuesday, July 21st. Welcome everyone to Living Room Sports Talk. Kira McCauley. This is great. We're just going to keep the guests on rolling here. We got the great BJ Boyer joining us in the living room tonight talking some basketball. This is great. I'm, I'm loving this, BJ. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Yeah, no problem, man. The pleasure's all mine. I'm happy to come on and uh, talk some hoops. I'm so glad. So you're with uh, Basketball Society. I'm glad we were able to you know, have you on the show tonight and talk. And this is, this, by the way, I was checking out your site tonight and we're I'm just going to dive all into that. And this is great stuff. So anyone that's a basketball fan tonight, this is going to be right up your alley. I mean, I'm talking, this is grade A content. And especially if you're not confident in the Sixers, like, like you and I are, this is going to be really good. So, um, but no, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really appreciative. And I look forward to talking about the NBA resumption in the uh, Sixers as well. Absolutely. And look, we already got the chat room. We got trust on two K's already on the chat. Oh, this is gonna be great. Big basketball fan. So, all right, I'll you, so let's start with the little basics, though. So a little backdrop on the Basketball Society. So I'm already in love with it, but I'll tell you, let's take a little backdrop. First of all, what, I guess, made you fall in love with the game? It's funny, everyone probably watches the shows chuckling, because, like, I always ask that dreamy question before we got to get the show started. But, like, kind of what made you fall in love with the game? And then on top of that, what would you say kind of made you, t- like, take you to Basketball Society and everything with your career there? Well, my my – love for the game stems from the Los Angeles Lakers, who happens to be my favorite team. Um, so when I was, what, six years old, five years old, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers were playing the Portland Trailblazers in the 2000 Western Conference Finals. And all I remember is the entire arena being coated in gold shirts. You know how they give away shirts before games? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so the giveaway for this for this game was a, a gold Lakers shirt, Lakers-themed shirt. And I wasn't old enough to understand the rules and the nuances of the game of basketball, but I knew that I was enamored with what I was watching. And when I was, you know, able to finally grasp the rules and the concepts behind the game, I asked my brother, I said, yo, what was that team we were watching? And he was like, the Lakers. And so what did I do? I started following the Lakers. And Kobe <laughs> Bryant became my absolute favorite player. My He became my idol. Just his work ethic, his determination. It's good got to follow. <laughs> You know, and, and I was just inspired how it culminated into a career that allowed him to become one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And, you know, God bless his soul. May he rest in peace. But um, that's really how I became a huge fan of the game of basketball, particularly NBA basketball. And, and so, and, okay, I was going to say, so, and, and obviously growing up in Philadelphia area, just the rich, I feel like the rich basketball culture here with the big five in college and even just high yes. school ball and the, the amount of recruits and, and pro players that come out of here. And then obviously the, well, we'll get to the Sixers. You know, I got, I got the shirt. And this is BJ, by the way, fun fact. This is the first time I have this shirt on since uh, the beginning of March. So, you know, when I, eh, when they started, you know, go down the tubes a little bit, I decided to put her in the back because I just didn't there believe anymore. <laughs> Anyone that doesn't believe in the Sixers, this is the episode for you, by the way, because this yeah. is, yeah, this is, and, and this is coming for fans, you know? I mean, that's why I, I, that's actually why I put the shirt on. It's not, you know, in support. It was more just to show that, like, I'm not an actual fraud that I really do. Like, I, I'm a fan. I just I don't have any faith in them, but, you know. got to be a realist. You got to be a realist. Exactly. See, this is exactly why we need to have you on the show because you're going to speak gospel to the crowds tonight. And I cannot wait. Um, but I'll tell you, so, to talk a little bit about basketball society. So, I mean, you got a great site here. I'm going to pull it up for everyone so they can take a look at just what, if you would find the homepage today and I'll even Thank throw you. the link uh, out on the chat for everybody too. Thank you. So um, at, funnily enough, um, my, my, so my mother was the one that implored me to start blogging about basketball. I've always had a passion for writing. It's something I've always enjoyed. Uh, I, I've 
found it to be a medium where I could really express myself. So my mom was like, you have to start writing about basketball. You have to start writing about basketball. And I'm like, mom, I ain't trying to do that. Like, like what? So I found myself at Kutztown University my freshman year. Really didn't like the school too much. Didn't have too many friends. So in my free time, when I wasn't in class or studying or doing homework, you know, I started writing about the NBA and I had my little own blog on Blogger. You know, didn't look, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing, didn't look good, but you, you damn right. I, I sat there every night and, and typed a, close to a thousand words about my favorite NBA players and teams and just my thoughts. And by chance, I encountered Martin Soares, who was actually the founder of Basketball Society, uh, you know, via Twitter interaction. And he and I, we both saw that we had some locality. So, you know, we're located in Chester County. Martin went to Eastern University, which is very close to us. He's from New Jersey. And, you know, he was like, I have this platform called Basketball Society. It's, it's me and another great friend of mine. Would you like to join? And I said, hell yeah, you know, you know I, I just wanted to write about the NBA. So any, any opportunity I had to do so, I was going to take it. And that was six years ago. And ever since then, Martin and I have been able to forge a brotherhood. We've been able to build Basketball Society to, to become something that I've never, well, I'm not gonna say I've never imagined because I've had these visions in, in my mind for a while, but it's it's been fantastic to see Basketball Society as a platform take on a life of its own. I'm very thankful for the opportunities it's afforded me, the people it's allowed me to meet. I've covered some great events. Um, we've, we've acted as the host media affiliate for USBA. So we've been able to really carve out our niche and, and establish ourselves uh, amongst some other titans like ble the Bleacher Reports and the Slams and the Scores, you know, like, you know, they they have the resources and, and everything of that nature. And, and I'm not trying to say or suggest that we don't, but just to see where we've come from. And, and my, my favorite thing to say is we've got it from the mud. Like we got it, no celebrity backing, no major funding, just straight up guys that love basketball, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Well, and you know, and that's what I thought was so cool. So to that point, so I was looking at your site this morning and I love the the array of content you guys have. So you hit high school and like recruiting, yeah. but not just that, like it's like how to, like there's breakdown of film. There's there and ways you can imp improve your game. There's, there's college ball articles that are talk about, you know, sleeper teams, guys that are getting recruited and then moving obviously prospects to the next level, or even guys playing overseas in Europe and not just the NBA it's really cool. I mean, and then obviously you have all the NBA talk, which we'll obviously dive into on tonight's show. But that's what I thought. And so it's funny. So we, I actually didn't tell you this. So me and Zach do the show uh, before we – well, let me talk. Before <laughs> before I'm, like, so excited to, like, just dive into all this Sixer stuff that I can't even, like, contain myself. Um, <laughs> I know. It's it's bad. It's Anyone that, that knows the show, they, they know it's bad. My, my you know, my hatred for Brett Brown is, is, is strong. Sorry, um, but, yeah. Here. And, you know, I love him as a person, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but anyway, so when we usually do our shows, we started off with a segment called Clickbait Cleanup. And it's funny. Uh -huh. We usually, like, find something on, like, Bleacher Report or ESPN or, like, whatever, right? We pick it out. And it's something stupid. Like, um, I don't know. I think even Chris Sims had an article today about top 10 wide receivers and uh, Devontae Adams wasn't even in there. So things Whoa. like that we'll pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's heresy. So uh, things like that we'll pick out and, you know, we'll target and we'll, you know, make fun of it or whatever. But when I was looking at your site, not that I was looking for that at all, but when I was just looking at this, I was like, man, this is such good. Like, this is what people need. Like, if you are a basketball fan or just a sports fan in general, and even if you're just not like – I think the coolest thing about your site, BJ, is that you hit both levels. You have someone that could be a, a professional basketball player themselves, 
and love to dive into that world with the X's and O's and everything. But you could be someone that doesn't really know basketball at all, and you could go in there and learn so much about the game. And I think it's just really cool how you hit all sorts of levels there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, honestly, that's one of our biggest points of emphasis. You can go to ESPN, you can go to Bleacher Report, you can go to CBS Sports, and you'll find your NCAA articles and, and your NBA articles. And some of them are, are I'm not, I'm not trying to imply that the content isn't there because it, there's a reason why they're at that level. There's a reason why we reference them as the benchmarks. But we really pride ourselves on capturing the true essence of the game of basketball from all levels. So when you when we say professional, a lot of people think just NBA because that's probably the highest level professional basketball in the world. But there's also so many other varying extents of, of professionalism under the you know the the con under the umbrella of basketball. So there's guys that play overseas, there's guys that play semi-pro, there's guys that play in the G League. We want to shed light on on, the, on those players. We want them to be able to feel like they can tell their stories. We all have stories. But the most important things for us is really illustrating what basketball can mean more like more than a, it's more than a game. We oh, we've yeah. and and I can attest to this as a member of basketball society, and I'm sure you can just as the things you've seen, the way it brings people together. You go to a oh, Sixers game. Like that's a, that's why it's it's awesome that you have that exactly, as a title. Yeah. Exactly. You go to a Sixers game. It doesn't matter what this person looks like. It doesn't matter who they're voting for come November. It doesn't matter their religious background. If Joel Embiid dunks on somebody's head, you're turning to them and giving them a high five. You're oh, I know. In in high stakes moments, and that's what we really want to focus on is how basketball brings people together, and how it's much more than 10 guys at one time, 10 guys or girls at one time playing on the court and putting the ball through the basket. We want to illustrate and shed light on how it builds character, responsibility, camaraderie, teamwork. There's a whole slew of things that basketball can bring out to people, especially when you start going to the inner cities and there's a lack of structure. There's a lack of uh, a father figure or a motherly figure and, and people were being pulled to the streets or people were rolling with the wrong crowds or, or doing the wrong things and how basketball can really reel you in. So that's what basketball society is all about, illustrating the importance of basketball beyond the game itself being played. And I think that what's so cool too, is it's funny, as you're hitting on all those different like professional levels, the one thing that I think there's this misconception, right? People, and, and, and look, I say it as a fan too, right? Like the end of the bench guy sucks. But like when you really think about the guys that are in the G League, and first of all, you see the offensive bonanzas in those games. It's crazy how many points mm. are scored. The, the talent, it might just be a few inches of height. It might just be two inches of a vertical that separates a guy playing in Italy and being the last guy on the bench in the NBA. Like the talent, and, 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 I, and that's just, I think, talks to, it speaks to the volumes of the game evolving across the world. And it's guys like Kobe Bryant, like you said. Uh, Michael Jordan is obviously saw the last dance, you know, like all the international sensation he was. How much the games evolved and, and just how mm -hmm. much opportunity and, and just cool, like I was going to say cool basketball to watch, like like sound like a kid. But just, I mean, right, you can watch. Like I love truth? watching the summer league because you can sit there and be like, mm -hmm. I watched that guy in March Madness dominate to the Sweet 16, right? Like it's so cool how it all kind of connects now worldwide mm -hmm. and everything. Yes, it's. The, 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 the globalization of basketball has been very fascinating to watch. And it, it's really been on the backs of guys, like you said, the Magic Johnsons and the Larry Birds and the Mikes and the Kobe's and now the LeBrons and the Stephs and even people like D Rose. I mean, D Rose has a huge global uh, fan base, a, a, a huge global audience that consumes his merchandise and his content. 
So it, it's it's been really cool to see. And I feel like the NBA has kind of been spearheading this thing. And they've been so good at extending to other markets and other countries. You always hear it like during the NBA finals, the NBA finals is being is being broadcasted or televised in, in 300x countries and yeah in 99 different languages. And you know, at the start of this NBA season, there's a hundred international players across the league. So it's just it's just cool to see how the game of basketball continues to expand. And I'm eager to see where it takes not only the NBA, but the game as a whole. Absolutely. And it's funny. So looking at the chat real quick. So so, some questions popping up. So, uh, so one person put in the chat, you know, BJ, your message is so positive. Now they want to know, do you coach basketball at all? Um, Or is it just more of you bring it from, you know, just from basketball society and from that platform? Um, I'm, I've never dabbled in coaching myself. I've actually expressed interest in doing so. Um, I wanted to coach a Malvern League te- team this summer, like a youth Malvern League team. Yeah. But obviously, uh, due, to the, due to the coronavirus, yeah, due to the coronavirus, that's uh, been put on halt. But no, I mean, I just love talking about the game. It's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I, I think we all have varying opinions and there, there's, there's stuff to pluck from everybody, especially people like yourself that are knowledgeable about the sport. And it's, it's just, it's just something, you You're know, being kind I very saying that. <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm just being real with you, man. I'm just being real, but it's, it's something I, 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 I love speaking about. And um, if, if the opportunity for me to coach or I wouldn't even refer to it as coaching, but just to kind of pass on my knowledge to, to younger players, even people that may not know the game as well as I think I do, I, I you know, I would, I would definitely leap on that, but um you know, I, I'm just really trying to use basketball society as a vehicle that, that allows me to showcase my talents and, and to express how I feel about the game itself. We know. So it's funny. So first I love the comment. So uh, man gig said in the, in the chat, you know, my, my guy BJ is a cerebral basketball mind, which I totally agree with. And to that point, and it's funny how you were mentioning how it's bigger than the game and how everything kind of comes together. So we're at Chris Brown's pool party. This is how it starts. This is where we meet. It's funny. We don't even have to say Chris Brown who we can just pretend like it's, you know, like Chris Brown, like any Chris Brown, you know, let's roll with that. Um, I feel like the Chris Brown we know is just as interesting, but, <laughs> but, but nevertheless, so to that point, um, no, I feel like, so we're talking before the show, we find out you went to St. Norbert's. I went there for kindergarten. Like, and it's amazing how the domino effect we're talking about, like Miss Sage is coming up and we're talking about teachers here and there. It's so cool. how And you think about it, that starts with us talking about how Ben Simmons doesn't know how to shoot a jump shot. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's you like, like I, we can look at somebody like Martin, the founder of basketball society as, as a perfect example, me and Martin's bass, you know, relationship was, was cemented around the game of basketball. You know, like he played, he was, he was a, a great basketball player in college, a thousand point scorer. He trains and coaches a ton of high level high school recruits to this day. Um, he, you know, he's, he's probably the most knowledgeable basketball mind that I know. And, and our relationship was rooted in the game itself. And he's somebody that six years later uh, from, from when we met, I can lean on him as a mentor, as a brother, um, somebody that I can not only talk about the game with like the X's and O's that I can also come to with real life problems or issues that I may be having with my family. So I'm really appreciative of the doors and that, and that just doesn't go for Martin. It goes for my entire, my entire basketball society family. I love all those guys, man gigs, that's another basketball society member. That's my that's my real life brother. I was literally at his house the other day, sitting poolside, just talking, having a rap. So it's it's amazing to see, you know, what starts as a strictly basketball relationship can evolve to something so much more to a brotherhood, to a family. And that just not only goes for me here at Basketball Society, I'm sure that goes for, you know, 
any any p- people in sports media or any people that play basketball. Oh, I'm sure there's some people that found really reliable, lifelong best friends. Um, you know, by playing in the league. Same thing in college and AAU. So it's 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 all about yes, you come together in this space for one common goal, but sometimes it takes on a life of its own. The relationship can take on a life of its own, and and who knows where that may lead. Well, I'll tell you, so it's funny. Speaking of that, I feel like uh, the coronavirus and, and everything kind of took on a life of its own. So I need it. We, we got to jump into it a little bit because I'm I'm I'm, I'm chopping sure. a bit. So I'm going to wait. Let's I'm going to tease the audience ready. a little bit. We're going to hold the Sixers for a second because, right. yeah, it's it's coming. That storm, that storm, if you look at the five-day forecast, it's coming soon. But um, <laughs> but I'll say let's let's take a deep stab and, and jump into the NBA and the bubble and the, and the restart. So. First of all, how awesome is it that it's coming back? I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you? Man, I'm about a fifty eleven hundred. I'm 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 amped up. I, I and I'll be honest. I think we're all starved for sports, but for me as a Lakers fan, I'm especially excited because we have a legitimate chance to win the championship. So just knowing that it raises my anticipation that much more. Like I'll literally be out with my friends just hanging out we may be getting a drink and we'll be talking about anything else and i'll just be like i don't think y'all get how badly i want the lakers to win it like i just randomly <laughs> like, it's something that's on my mind constantly and I, i'm you know i'm happy because it's it'll be a nice reprieve from all of the pressures that we've been feeling with the virus and just all the societal issues we've been facing as a whole Absolutely. So it'll be nice to kind of to kind of recalibrate and welcome sports back and the thing I love about it most is literally games all day long from 1 PM to 9 PM is games all day long. So so you you like to watch, watch them all. You like to bet, bet on, bet on them all. Whatever you like to do, your taste. You don't want to say that to this crowd that watches this show. (laughs) They'll they'll listen to that advice. Oh, oh, listen, we don't bet. Sorry. We don't do that. Not around these parts. (laughs) No, no, I'm kidding. Oh, trust me. Oh, we'll talk about it. Don't worry. No, (laughs) But I, I'm excited, just like you are. I know you're excited too. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So this is the, this is kind of probably a bizarre question to kind of like spin it off to get the the bubble question started. But I feel like this is my opinion a little bit too. I feel like one could argue when you look at the NBA playoffs that the first round or two are a tad scripted, predictable. Probably a better word yeah. to put right. A little, little bit predictable. Um, do you feel like with all the variables spinning around the eight games kind of running in, not that that's a lot. And obviously there's no crowd, there's no home court advantages anymore. Do you feel like this bubble is going to make the playoff picture a little bit more scripted or, or you think it's going to be like, it just all hell is going to break loose and anything can go. I would say somewhere in between. I don't think, I, I think there's no predictability here because we have no idea how anybody's going to look. It's been like their layoff is longer than what the typical regular season is. And I don't think eight games is like, okay, we'll, we'll use the Sixers as an example. We've all been hearing about the positional shift. Ben Simmons going from point guard to power forward. Like as good as he is, as smart as he is, eight games ain't enough time to, to iron out those kinks. <laughs> like we saw the yeah. Sixers, we saw the Sixers struggle especially offensively, pretty much all year long. And eight games to me is not enough time to iron out those kinks. We, we, we can go to the Lakers. Rondo's out for six to eight weeks. Avery Bradley's not playing. Two got one guy, one of those guys started, the other played a lot of minutes during the regular season. So now you have to talk about integrating Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. That's going to take more than eight games. So I think you're going to see like a lot 
early on in the playoffs, teams still kind of regaining their traction and feeling each other out. Um, I don't think that's going to lead to like a lot of big time upsets. Like, I don't think the Grizzlies will take down the Lakers or, you know, the Mavericks will take down one of the top tier teams. I mean, they could, but I just think in terms of like how we can expect things to play out, I think there's a lot of unpredictability, but I, I still think there, there'll be some of that scriptedness until we get to the second round or the conference finals. Then we'll start talking about, you know, especially when you get to the West and you talk about a potential Lakers Clippers conference finals as a Lakers fan, like I have, I listen, I'll be completely honest as a Lakers fan. I'm not worried about any other team in the conference, except the Clippers. I feel like we can beat every other team. You ask me what the result is of a seven game series, neutral court site with the Clippers. I have no idea. I can't tell you. All I know is it's probably going to go seven. That's all I know. I'll scratch that question off my, my, my paper here then, because that's actually, I swear, that's literally what I had a question. And this is because when we jumped to the show, I forgot that you were a Lakers fan when we were talking the other night. So I really had, in a seven-game series, who you taking between the Clippers and Lakers? <laughs> but all right, all right, so I'll, tell, I'll back it up then. So let, let's, let, let's look at the setup here for a second. So best 22 teams, nine on yeah. the east, 13 on the west. A little bit different. And then this fun little play-in possibility with, like, the 9-8 and eight team, right? And I'll even pull up uh, the standings for everyone so they can get a look. Uh, I'll go east and then west. So let me ask you this. What do you think about this whole setup? I know there's obviously a lot of people kind of whining on Twitter saying that the only reason they did the 13-9 and nine was to try to get Zion in and make it a little more lopsided. But I guess just in general with this whole, okay, we basically had to put the season on hiatus. Now we're coming back. This is the plan. What do you kind of think? I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with it. I think we all acknowledge that the West is, is superior to the East. Um, I think the East, when you get up top, like you have some really good teams, like the, the, the Sixers on paper, they're very good. The Celtics have, have been solid this year. The Raptors have surprised a lot of teams and obviously you have the Bucks. But when you just look at the totality of the conference, the West is just stacked. I mean, you're talking about a team with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, fighting for the playoff lives. Like if they were fully healthy and intact, they'd be well above an eighth seed. You have teams like the Grizzlies and I mean, and, and you can make fun of the Suns, you can clown the Suns, but even them, like they've been better this year than they, they were in years past. So I, I, I mean, I'm perfectly fine with the way that the uh, resumption is structured. Uh, I think that, like I said, we all recognize the strength of the West uh, and, and um, I, I'm perfectly okay with it, but I do agree with you. I, I think the league definitely is a, uh, Definitely a little Zion drunk, but that's fine. It's it's fine. I mean, but he's, he's a fun, you know it's he's a fun player to watch. It's I've been watching than the Pistons, and that's and that's and that's why it's okay with me because at the end of the day, basketball, the NBA is a business, and right. the you know they're they're firing for ratings and they're firing for revenue. So what better way to to grab both of those things than by placing your biggest youngest star out there. I mean, he's, he's probably the brightest young star of the league. If you talk about young superstars in the NBA that are marketable, everybody recognizes, you're probably going to hear Luca, probably going to hear Zion. And then you're probably going to hear Ja. That's, you know, that's and around here, you're, around here, you'll hear, you'll hear Ben Simmons because of our locality, but I'm talking, you know, worldwide, in the U.S., those are the three names you're probably going to hear. So it, it makes sense as to why the NBA is really pushing him and he's on the opening night. And, you know, it's 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 to be expected. And it, it pisses some people off. But for me, I'm OK with it because it's, all the hype is warranted. The kid is a brilliant player. 
And even it's funny, you touched on the Suns. They're kind of a fun team to watch. You got DeAndre Ayton in there, Mikel Bridges, who I looking oh, back on God, it. How, I mean, look, I'm not gonna lie, when when the Sixers made that trade and they got Zaire Smith, I was like, okay, okay, you know, I, I was okay with it. What, what what was your thought on that? Because now I'm hating myself for thinking that. Um, I never understood it in the moment. And you know, it's it's an interesting thing to analyze because you could you could pretty much say that without that that trade, the Sixers would have been un, unable to get Tobias Harris. But, like, Mikel was a guy you could plug in and play right away. We've yet to see, you know, we've yet to see Zaire suit up. <laughs> like, Mikel is, Mikel is one of the best off-ball players in the league in terms of knowing when to cut. He's a great off-ball screener. Like, go look at the opportunities he creates off-ball for guys like Booker and Oubre. Yeah. And, you know, players that like Sarge getting like open looks now. Exactly. So, I mean, to me, that whole trade was, was definitely puzzling, but the bigger issue amongst that is that we've yet to acknowledge that the Sixers are, are, are not good at drafting. Like you, you look at it. Okay. Everybody wants to say Ben Simmons. It's hard to miss on Ben Simmons. He was the number one pick. Everybody says Joel Embiid. It was hard to miss on Joel Embiid. He was the projected top overall pick until you hurt his foot. But you start to look at their track history, Evan Turner, bust. Nerlens Noel, bust. Jalo Okafor, bust. Michael Carter-Williams, bust. They draft a guy who's never going to come over here and play over both Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma. That's It's not good. Now, all right, let me, let me, let me throw a little positivity in there, though. I, I do like Shake Milton. Shake is, I, I do. I, I like me some Shake Milton. I and I, and I like Thibault a lot. So I thought they and actually like, hit maybe this year a little bit. Yeah, yes, um, they did. I, I, I will give them credit. They upped it this year. But I sure. think – so let me actually ask you this. So we're talking about youth and, and draft players and all this. So let me ask you this. So what do you think – so especially we're looking at the Western Conference, right? It's a little younger, the bottom teams, right? A lot of rookie, it's, but they're fun, energetic teams. Do you feel like that uh, is going to – I guess I'll actually kind of back it up and make it a bigger question. Is this whole kind of sprint to the finish line benefit older players that are away from the families and all that kind of stuff? Younger players where they're just staying up all night playing video games and they're—I mean—and I'm not trying to spin the question saying, oh my "Guys, it's the younger guys." I'm more just kind of thinking out loud. Like, what do you think of all this? Is it because I, I really have no idea? That, that's a really good question. Um, I think from I would say from a physical standpoint, it definitely favors the younger guys. And I will also say from a mental standpoint too, because like they're probably not that far removed from staying up late and being in like a dorm, a dorm like setting. And, you know, like you said, just going back to your room after a game and and absolutely doing nothing. Like some of these guys that are fresh out of college or two years removed, as opposed to a guy like a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard where they're, you know, Kawhi is used to flying helicopters home. Like, yeah, you know, so it's, it's it's definitely a little different, and I would say, when in terms of the body and recovery and uh, being able to stay loose and spry, uh, I I don't, I would have to say it's definitely advantageous to the younger guys. But I, you know, the older guys have gotten their rest too. LeBron, guys like Ben Simmons who had an aching back, Kawhi Leonard who we know is the 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 king of load management, he's gotten his rest. So <laughs> I think a lot of guys are charged up, and we'll see what type of toll it takes from a physical standpoint, we've already seen. And like, interestingly enough, some of the players that we've gotten news about getting hurt, you know, Justice Winslow, he's a younger player. De'Aaron Fox, he hurt his ankle. He's a younger guy. 
Uh, Marvin Bagley, he hurt his foot. He's a younger guy. So I think that's interesting. Um, but I, I think in terms of like, you know, recovery and, and reing up your body and preparing your body for, for the grind that's going to be the bubble, I'd probably have to say I'd give the edge to the older guys there. But young guys definitely got a leg up in some capacity. I can't, I can't fail to acknowledge that. Well, I love it. So it's funny. We're looking at all these different things. And by the way, just do a quick plug for you. So we've got BJ Boyer with us here uh, on the show from the Basketball Society. Join us talking some NBA and all sorts of basketball. It's a great, like I said, great, great show for us. I'm, I'm so excited. We're, we're already 30 minutes in. We're, we, and trust me, we don't have to get off at eight, so we can just keep on rolling. But oh. um, to that point, let me ask you. So what would you say is something with this whole shakeup? And, and I'll kind of make this a very vague and generic question for you. Out of all the things, whether it could be uh, the environment, whether it could be no fans, like any, anything at all, or it could be the X's and O's, what's one thing that this shakeup, and now that we're bringing it, you know, we're coming back and everything, what's one variable or one thing you're thinking of that really sticks out to you or that excites you that you're looking for going into this? To me, it's just like the overall AAU feel of the games. Like you said, there's no fans. So you, we're going to be able to pretty much, I don't know what, measures the NBA is going to take to, to drown out the players' voices and their, and their commentary on the court, because you know they're going to be cursing and, and saying some foul stuff. <laughs> the NBA, I would imagine that, you know, the, the networks like ESPN and TNT are going to do things to kind of prevent us from hearing, from hearing that language. But I'm just excited for the overall, like, AAU feel. Will that dictate how teams play? Will teams look to play at a faster pace? How will coaches disguise their play calls? I've heard Michael Malone, the coach of the Denver Nuggets, I, I read a quote where he said that they're going to be going to more visual stuff using their hands and like different signals as opposed to calling things out. So I'm just curious, like I said, the AAU feel, guys just kind of in an empty gym running, playing basketball, like it's going to be a different type of vibe. And I'm just excited to see the, the innovation that that teams come up with in terms of disguising their play calls, both offensively and defensively how they go about you know staying social distance and just like what the overall like vibe like will the thought of the coronavirus go out the window when they're playing like what will it what will it be like I'm interested to see how these guys get acclimated to this new environment we've seen it in glimpses like through Matisse's vlog through Javel McGee's vlog and and respective social media channels like the Sixers they do a great job of posting content uh and as do all the other teams but we're really going to see it under a more intensive microscope when they're out there playing for two and a half hours. So that's what I'm most interested to see how, and, and you know what else I'm really interested to see what other players go to games to, to watch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The so East, they can do that. Get, and that's what I'm interested in. Like is, is LeBron going to like, yo, AD Clippers is playing. Let, let, let's go scout. You know, like I, I, I almost picture the Lakers walking in, like all black arms folded when the Clippers are playing, just standing there like yeah. an intimidation factor. Like, will we get some of that? Like that's, that's what I'm really curious about. That's so, you know, it's funny. I never thought of that. That's unbelievable. Because it really is, like you said, it has like that, uh, like that AU summer league when they're like in college, that pro-am kind of feel to it where exactly. you're playing next and you're just sitting on the end of the, you know, the, the sideline, you know, just waiting to, you know, get your, your, your run in. Oh my God. I can't, I'm already like, excited. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I can't, it feels like Christmas. And then, like you said, I also think, uh, I'll tell you, my variable too is like, I think, I'm interested to see this eight, nine thing. So, so yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. So it's what, if they finish within three games of each other, is it? I believe so. Okay. So if they I finish believe. within three games, eight, and nine have a, is it winner take all game or is it best two out of three? 
that I don't know. That's a really good question. I have to double check what the what the rules are for the plan. But you sound you sound like you're on on the right track. It's funny. So we used to well, we actually still do on our show. We do Alexa facts where we'll, we'll call her out and see if she can get it. She's there's no way she's getting this one. So I gave her the week off last week, but uh, <laughs> but all right. So all right, let's look at the playoffs for a second. So I feel like is there anything that's going to be weird about seeing a playoff game that might be at like one o'clock in the afternoon or right. Like, or do you think this is going to just kind of go like snap into like March madness? I think it'll kind of emulate that March madness summer league vibe because like, you know, summer league games during, you know, a standard summer start at 12, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, you know? So I think in that sense, it'll be okay. Plus we're still in, in summer and like summer kind of has that, laid back like flip on the tube anytime see what's on vibe you know like you might be out and about midday during the day at the beach at you know at a bar like so it'd be cool to be able to to be in that scenario and be able to say oh look NBA playoffs are on like hey it might be the magic and whoever but still so and most people are working from home anyway ex- most people are working from home and I just think the 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 overall hunger for for basketball um I just I think all those things considered I don't think the time will really be a factor. Like, obviously, the NBA is, is going to be very strategic about it and, and schedule. They're more marquee matchups for when people have leisure time and people are, are are decompressing from a long day, whether, you know, they're going to the office or working from home and are able to, to really sit down and dive into the games fully, you know, around 7, 8, 9 o'clock. But I think the NBA recognizes that they're pretty much going to have viewers and strong viewership no matter what time the games fall at. So I have a thought because I can't ask you now about the league. I'll, 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 I'll punt that question out about the Lakers and Clippers. Cause now you're a Lakers fan. So, right, all right. so I'll stick on the Kawhi subject though, in a sense, I'm going to spin out of the, uh, out of the Clippers talk, go back to the Raptors here for a second. They haven't missed a beat without him. I feel like, no. and, but what was so weird is they rode him so hard last year this is very vexing to me, BJ. I, I like. What do you think of them? They're an enigma to me. They're so sexy somehow. They don't really look the part, but they just get it done. They win games. Well, if you look at their record and their stats last year when Kawhi sat, they played pretty well. And obviously the playoffs are a different scenario. Your superstar is what, is what powers you. As we saw throughout their playoff run last year, I mean, Kawhi was magnificent, maybe the greatest individual playoff run I've ever seen but the Raptors success this year to me you could point to a few things Um, Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the league he has a very unconventional defensive scheme Uh, his his offense works for them he has offensive players that can execute his scheme the way he wants and that brings me to talk about guys like Kyle Lowry now Kyle Lowry is probably one of the most divisive players in the NBA people say oh he sucks he can't play then you have people that like me that love the guy. To me, he's a perennial all-star. He's he's a brilliant offensive orchestrator. He's one of the bet, better defenders in the league at his position. And honestly, as big of a fan of as I am of him, I figure we see some slippage. I mean, he's what, 31 now? I think 30, 31. And typically around that age, especially for short guards that play you know, tough nose basketball drive defense that don't rely on a lot of athleticism. You kind of see them slip, but you know, he's continued to rise to the occasion. And then you have guys like Pascal Siakam. I mean, his shooting percentages are down this year because he's not getting the looks he's getting aren't as clean because of the absence of Kawhi. 
but he's one of the best ISO scores in the NBA. One on one scores, he 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 gets it done. One of the best finishers. He can guard multiple positions, post up. So you just have a, a, a talented bunch of players. Your Fred Van Vliet's and your Norman Powell's, and you, they still have Marcus Saul and Sergi Baca. So they have a nice blend of young guys that are eager to ascend, but veterans who may not be able to play the same level of basketball as they once were before, but guys that, you know, can still get the job done and are still reliable in high stakes settings. But I think more than anything, they heard all that chatter all summer long. It was only Kawhi. You guys were out on Kawhi. You wouldn't have won it without Kawhi. When you win a championship and all you hear is detractors and people talking trash, that motivates you. So I think you're looking at a team that is really, really compelled to come back this year with a vengeance. Like, oh, y'all thought we only won because we had Kawhi? Or y'all only thought we won because KD and Clay were hurt? Nah, we won because we deserve to. And I think they're just hell-bent on proving to the league and the world that their championship and their run was legitimate and just wasn't based off of the brilliance of Kawhi, but rather the entire team itself. Absolutely. No, that's such a great point too. And now it's fine. I feel like they're my sleeper too. So let's, let's, that's, I mean, we'll go into the whole predictions and who we think is a dark horse and all that, but I'll tell, let's kind of, I'll spin it this way. So in the spirit of that clickbait thing, I'll ask the question to you in this, in this way. Eastern team, Western team that you feel like is uh, a clickbait team, if you will, in the playoff picture, a team that everyone's high on per se, but for, for it's fool's gold, if you will. I'll okay, start well, with the West too. Cause I, 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 I think I have these teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start with the West. <laughs> oh man. In the West. In the West. That's a good question. Um, I want to say the Rockets, but I'm not going to say them. I'm going to go with the Mavericks, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. It's not that I don't believe that they're a good team. I just don't think they're ready yet. I just I just think they don't have the wing defenders to really bang with somebody like the Lakers or the Clippers or even the Rockets. Like, they don't they don't have that lockdown perimeter defender that they can say, okay, go, go, go slow LeBron down. Go slow James Harden down. That can make life really tough for them. A lot of people are in love with Luca, and rightfully so. Um, but I just, I just think that he can be brilliant all he wants to in the playoffs. But I think that they're in for a humbling, and that's fine. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year, so to go from where they were last season to where they are now, they could take a. I, I, to me, the Mavericks is one of those teams like you. You don't want to play them in the playoffs. Like you'll, you'll probably beat them, but they could push the series a little bit further than you actually wanted to go. But I don't see them as a team that, that's going to make it past the first round I, I i think that they're probably going to be out in a tough first round series so i, I don't look at like i've heard people say no they can make a deep playoff runner like they can they can make the conference finals no that's not no come on they they kind of remind me of like the jazz like two three years ago a little mm-hmm. bit you know what i mean that like not yet with donovan like or i guess like a year or two ago i should say more like you know what i mean with donovan mitchell like not quite there but i think they might make a jump too they, and, and they and and listen it's okay if they're not there yet. This is Luca's first year playing with Porzingis. Porzingis is first year back from an ACL injury. Tim Hardaway Jr. was hurt with the hamstring. That's a big time contributor on the offensive end. Dwight Powell is out for this season. That's a very important two-way player for them. So they're still, and like they picked up Willie Cauley-Stein before the hiatus. So they were still trying to sort out their front court rotation and figure some things out. They're a brilliant offensive team. They'll put up numbers and score, but I just, don't 
I don't see them as resist resistive enough on the defensive end to really point at them and be like, wow, I really like them in a playoff series. It, it depends on the matchup, obviously, but that that would have to be my team in the West. I, I feel like they could be. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because I feel like their stock's so high because they look good on a highlight reel. You know yes, what I mean? It's they like they look really home, good on ESPN when you wake up the next day. Trust me. Listen, listen. The Lakers played the Mavericks a lot this year, and they whooped us on a Sunday afternoon in L.A. Luca was hitting the step back with the making it look easy right over LeBron. He's so silky. You know, so I've I've seen it firsthand. They've they've given the Lakers some very tough tests this year, but I don't know. For me, it would just have to be between them and the Rockets. But I feel like the Rockets are now are being underrated. I feel like the Rockets are being and. That's uh, it's tough, but that's that's just the way I. The feel. Rockets remind me of like the 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 Chargers with LT back in the day. Like they're just they're never actually going to like beat the Patriots like that. Uh, like the better team, like they're never going to beat the Lakers. They're never going to beat the Clippers. Like like Golden State, obviously, back when you know they looked you know when they were them. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like it's they're not. They're just always they're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Right, and the, but the, the reason I say I like Houston. For, I'm gonna give you. I'll give you two reasons. One, Russell Westbrook. People are asleep on the season Russell Westbrook was having. Like he was balling. He cleaned up his shot profile. He fit in with James Harden seamlessly. He was starting to get back with his triple double vibe before the season was uh, was stopped. And I just think that he brings another. He he brings out more confidence in James Harden. Like I feel like James Harden is looking at Chris Paul. Like you really gonna make this play when when it matters? Like you really gonna I don't know, but I feel like he has no reservations, no nothing when it comes to Russ. Like, all right, Russ, let's rock out. I got. I feel like they mesh so well together, and then I also feel like their play fits in perfectly with what I said earlier—the AU up up tempo, fast paced style of basketball that they want to play. Now, their biggest pitfall is that micro ball stuff, because if they get in a series with somebody like the Lakers or the Jazz or a team with size that can really leverage their size, they're cooked. Robert Covington ain't guard no center. He's not guard no power forward. Oh, we witnessed that. PJ Tucker is not guarding Anthony Davis or Trez or none of of those guys. Even guys like Ivica Zubak would be eaten. So that's what worries me about them the most is kind of like teams cracking that micro ball code and be like, oh, you're a gimmick. We got you. But I like what they bring to the table. I like their confidence. Like James Harden is probably one of the most confident and assured players in the NBA. Oh yeah. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. And I think again, they I think they have an eagerness and a hunger to get over that hump. Now, will it result in a, a NBA finals appearance or a conference finals appearance? I, I'm I'm doubtful about that. But I think that we're underestimating their ability to be very competitive in a playoff scenario. And I, I, that's that's my take on the Rockets as of right now, as, as they're currently constructed. And as I kind of, it's fine, I kind of maneuvered all over that segment there for you. But okay, so to, I'll I'll try to I'll try to you know I'm 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 all over the place here, but oh, good, you, man, you know it's time now. It's time to to get it out. So Woo! you know, look at that. Forty five minutes in, we finally got to give the people what they want. So clickbait on the Eastern Conference side. Who are you taking, BJ? Taking the team on your shirt. I'm taking the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh. Hey, 76ers. God, well, I don't know the song. <laughs> I got sunburn on my nose. This is not even just be bleeding thinking about them. Oh God, this is gonna be horrible. This is gonna be horrible. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna keep it all the way real because that's 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 what I was going to do. 
Okay. You guys all do on this site. The Milwaukee Bucks NBA title contender, right? Oh, Los yeah, Angeles definitely. Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers NBA title contender, right? Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Clippers NBA title contender, right? Absolutely. Here's one thing those three teams have in common. You never hear their fans or their players trying their hardest to convince you that they're a title team. All Sixers fans do. Ben Simmons is shooting now. Oh, we're going to the chip. Joel Embiid is healthy. Oh, we're going to the chip. Shake Milton, if you're, listen, I like Shake Milton. Nice young player. If you're hinging your championship hopes on Shake Milton starting at point guard, you ain't got no hope to begin with. This kills me. You're, you're so right. All Sixers fans try to do at all the time has convinced me how good this team is. If they were really a title contender, you wouldn't have to say anything because I would be convinced by their play. And me, quite frankly, I don't even know if they're going to win the first or second round of the playoffs. People talking about the finals. Now we're talking. Huh? Now we're talking. <laughs> and, and But th- this is what I will say about the Sixers. And here's something I've been saying for so damn long. And – I knew I was right. I don't like to be cocky, but I knew I was right. And everybody wanted to tell me I was wrong. I had everybody wanted to pigeonhole Ben Simmons as a point guard. He's a point guard. He's the point guard. No, 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 no. He has to bring up the ball. He has to. That is doing him a disservice. A guy as smart, talented, mobile, every intangible this dude has. And everybody wanted to pigeonhole him as a point guard. That is a joke. He is a basketball player. He said it himself. You put me anywhere, I'm going to make plays. Him being pushed to power forward is long overdue. I've been saying that the Sixers should utilize Ben Simmons the same way that the Milwaukee Bucks utilized Giannis Antetokounmpo. And when I said that, everybody told me I was crazy. Ben Simmons isn't Giannis. Giannis Giannis is light years ahead of Ben Simmons. I never said that they were the same player. Never said that. But what I'm saying is this. When you compare their games, they're both. They're multi- the same type of player. Multifaceted forwards that handle the ball, can distribute the ball, but are limited from the outside. So what did the Bucks do? They put four guys around Giannis who could shoot, were smart, could defend, and when needed to in a pinch, your Eric Bledsoe's, your Chris Middleton's, your Dante DiVincenzo's can make plays. Corver. Open the floor for Giannis and let him go to work. Meanwhile, the Sixers are over here log jamming stuff up by signing Al Horford. And Tobias Harris isn't making his threes because the, the floor is so tight. And, and Josh Richardson isn't being consistent from downtown. It's so bad. And it's just like we we all love this idea of Ben Simmons being Magic Johnson or the next LeBron James, but that that too severely limits him. Like, are you kidding? Like we are now in so if 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 COVID didn't ravish our world, we would be heading into, you know, pretty much we'd be talking about the, the upcoming NBA season, right? So it took Brett Brown all this damn time to realize, like, hmm, wow, I can use Ben Simmons as a screener in a roller. Hmm, wow, I could post Ben Simmons up. We all watched when when Ben Simmons, when they was in the playoffs last year, who was guarding him? Siakam here and there. Kyle Lowry here and there. Why aren't you posting these little dudes up? You have Kyle Lowry on you. And yes, I did talk earlier in the show about how sound defensively Kyle Lowry is. He's very short. He has Not a strong, on the block, though. <laughs> that's, what, 
he's not supposed to be able to guard Ben Simmons on the post. That's what, like that's what I don't understand. We everybody wanted to drill in this idea of him being the PG when there's so many more facets to his game and so many other ways he can contribute. We've seen him do so much damage in that little area on the baseline, right? Uh, you know that they call that they call the uh, dunker spot. Exactly in the dunker spot. We've seen him. We've seen him let off that jump hook, that baby hook. Like yeah, we all want him to shoot. We we all talk about his inability to shoot the ball. That's so overblown. Now it's overbaked. For me, the biggest issue is, and he started to rectify this before the season got canceled, was his ability to score consistently. And Jared Dudley got a lot of flack for saying that in a half court setting, Ben Simmons is average, but he wasn't lying. He wasn't. And from from a score standpoint, Ben Simmons in the half court has shown nothing but averageness. Ever since he's been in the league in a playoff scenario. And, you know, I think now he's starting to expand his game and expand his scoring portfolio. But the biggest concern to me was like, you give him the ball, go get us a bucket. What's what's his go-to move? People say, oh, it's always dribble dribble, drive penetration and swinging it out. Exactly. If you, and and that's supposed to be one of your best players. And like, that's fine. All, All players and all teams aren't created equal. But if a, if you're calling Ben Simmons one of the 10 best players in the league, one of the 15 best players in the league, you better damn sure be able to give him the ball and say, go get us a, a score right now because we need it. And he can't do that. And, and it's funny, to that point, so we're talking about dribble drive penetration. You look at a team like Boston, they're like, we know what you're doing. We're going to sag back a little bit. So we already got a three-foot head start on your full head of steam. We'll wall you off so you actually got to kick it out in a more uncomfortable way. You'll turn – because the thing is, BJ, you know it. He leaves – like, what's the golden rule too, right? We talk about – Never leave your feet. You're going to make a pass like normally. And then if you are, at least know where you're going to go with the ball. <laughs> like he doesn't do that. And I'm not even trying to rip him. But my point is because he doesn't have any kind of offensive repertoire, if you will, once he gets off like the inside full head of steam and he's looking to kick it out, which is fine. But the problem is when good teams are like, okay, well, we're going to wall you off ahead of time. Then all of a sudden it gets chaotic. The spacing's off. And then he's throwing the ball, you know, into the stands or it's going off someone's foot or it's going low. And then it's, I mean, Boston, I feel like they put a clinic on showing that, how to basically yes. break down the Sixers tape and, and just expose it. Yeah, uh, Brad Stevens is, is is brilliant. And, you know, he, he was able to cook up some things to disrupt Simmons' rhythm and Philadelphia's offensive rhythm. Like I always said, you know, his, his, his rookie year, they played Boston in the playoffs. My man had one point in the playoff game. One point. One. One point. It's bad. It's it's not good. I, I like to me. Your this apartment is very. It's not that we're anti Ben Simmons. We're just to your point. We're not buying the stock that everyone's trying to sell us that he's some top ten player. To me, to, to me, my criticism of him is rooted in the fact that I know he can be one of the best players in the league, MVP caliber player. But whether it's, and I don't think it's himself. I think he has a great work ethic. I think he's ready to own what it means to be the guy. I just think that the 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 and I and, I, and I'm a huge Brett Brown guy. I think he gets a lot of undeserved flack, and some of it is warranted. But I think he gets a lot of criticism thrown at him the wrong way. But in terms of Ben Simmons, I think he's he's definitely mishandled the way you know he's utilized for sure early in his career. And I think that whether it's going to be this move to power forward or maybe another head coach, but. I think the the full unlocking of Ben Simmons's game is coming very very soon, and that should excite Sixers fans and frighten everybody else. 
because the kid is already a phenom and an all-star without having his game fully unlocked. So imagine what that looks like when he's, when all hell is unleashed. So I'm curious. So you brought up Brett Brown and you said you're a Brett Brown fan. If I'm quoting you there correctly. I am a Brett Brown fan. I'll spin the question this way, right? We work. So, you know, you talk about your annual review, if you will, right? You sit down, you know, you have everyone tells you how you did for the year. You're going to get a raise or whatever your future is with the company, right? Okay. So you're giving Brett Brown his annual review. Actually, I'll have to, maybe, maybe we'll say that the person that wasn't, they didn't do the analyzation for a couple of years. So you're basically giving me a, a three to four year breakdown. The, the BJ, we hire you to say, okay, look, here's Brett Brown's body body of work. Now you got to sit down and talk to him about where he stands with you, if you like, right? Like, so where is he in your mind? Um, I think he's on the hot seat. I definitely think he's on the hot seat. And it's just the current climate of the NBA. I mean, when you have a team as talented as Philly and a team that, that is highly regarded as Philadelphia is every offseason and they fail to meet expectations, it starts with the coach. The coach is the first casualty. Um, you saw it with the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers had a subpar year, LeBron's first go around in Los Angeles. And guess what happened? Luke Walton got the X. So the, the coach is always the, the, the first victim. Um, but if I had to give him a grade, I'd probably give him like a high C. I think that he's definitely mismanaged some of the talent. I've also been very critical of the fact that Philly has really hasn't developed a lot of their younger players that have been on the roster. Um, guys that come, you know, come through their G League pipeline or just, you know, just guys that you can find and, and, and round into rotational guys. I mean, Shake Milton is one of the one of those people for sure. Uh, he's emergent. But I wanted to see more of that from Philly, especially as a team that wasn't in high stakes games or moments for the, the you know, the first half of Brett Brown's tenure. Um, and and but, let me add one thing about Shake Milton, too. To that point, right before he stepped in, before Ben Simmons got hurt and he balled out, Brett Brown was the guy saying, you're good, you're close, you're just not like, – I can't put you in yet. It's like, playing, playing oh, Raul, my God. Playing Raul, what? <laughs> playing Raul Neto over him. I mean, come on, bro. You know, like just just stuff Talk like that. Forgetful guys. Like what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> that's yeah, not – BJ, that's not good. It's not It's it's not good. And, and I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think he's starting to lose his voice a little bit with the team. Like I think he's starting to lose his grasp over the team a little bit. But it happens. I mean, when when you we hear the Sixers every year, these lofty expectations. Oh, we want to win a championship. We want to be square in the title hunt. And, you know, you start to lose games or you lose series to teams that you feel like you shouldn't have lost to. Guys start start to question the coaching and the leadership. I mean, it's only right. You know, so I think he's definitely on the hot seat, um, whether it's fair or not. I think it's fair to an extent for sure. I think he gets a lot of venom from, from Philadelphia fans, but that's because the expectations here are so high. Um, we're not too far removed from the Eagles winning a championship. And regardless of what sport it is, you don't taste that championship champagne and put the glass down and say, okay, that's enough. You want more. You want a lot more. You want to, you want to yeah. keep filling that thing up, you know? So you want to get drunk off of it. <laughs> you want to get winning. Get, you want to get drunk off the wins. You want to be right in the mix every single year. And we all recognize that the Sixers probably should be there, whether it's due to roster construction that they're not or coaching. You know, we're probably going to find out soon. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Sixers flame out at the bubble, Brett Brown's probably gone. If they have another respectable but devastating ending to their season like last year, 
I think that Brett Brown's leash will be extended a little bit more. I think once next season starts, I think he'll get a trial period. I think I think he'll get a trial period. And if things aren't looking on the up and up or the Sixers aren't looking like the Bucks are like that level, I think you're going to see them move on. But my question for you as, as a Sixers fan is this. Sure. Everybody wants Brett Brown gone, right? But who who is the guy you want? You want Tom Thibodeau? You want him to to run Joel and B's knees into dust? Do you want Mark Jackson? Like who who is it out there that everybody says fire Brett Brown? But who are you pointing at to say, okay, well he's gone now. We want him. I'm so glad you asked this question. I wish our buddy Chad was on the show because we talk about this all the time, and, and you're gonna hate my answer so much. I don't know, and it's not that I'm just gonna end it there. My my thing as a fan is I sit there and I'll look at it like this. I'm as a fan, I'm the guy driving the car mm-hmm. and I hear the clank and the rattling inside the, the hood of it. And mm-hmm. I know something's wrong. Like I know that now the car is not even going. So I, I know I need to call the mechanic and I need to go in and the car needs to get replaced. Some parts needs to get fixed. I don't know how to do that. I'm not, I, like, I'm not actually going to go in and tell the mechanic, like who needs to pick, you know, or what, what, what kind of piece that needs to go in what part of the car but I can certainly sit there and see as, as the consumer that this is junk that we have right now. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with my opinion of the whole thing. Brett Brown. So like, and I, and I, and I'll, I'll give you more too. I won't just like end it there and be like, I don't know, like whoever. And then, and then sit there next year and be like, I don't like this, but right. I'll, I'll go this, <laughs> I'll go this path. I, d- I don't want those guys. I want, I want the, and it's easy to say this. I want the analogy. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of, uh, parallels you can draw with Golden State in the sense that they had Mark Jackson, they couldn't get past like the Clippers, and you're sitting there and you're kind of asking yourself, why can't this team beat the like JJ Redick, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Clippers with Matt Barnes? Like, like what? Mm-hmm. Right? Like with DeAndre Jordan? Like, come on, like they're better than that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they get Steve Kerr, who's you know basically like the next Phil Jackson in a sense with his offensive mind, and boom, all of a sudden they they take off. And I think. The, and it's right. It's like, oh, Kieran, that's what you want, huh? Just some championships. But I guess my thought is look for someone who can maybe take, right? I personally, I think Brett Brown coddles Ben Simmons. So you need someone that doesn't do that. And I'm not yeah, saying you have to have a hard ass, like a Bobby Knight type figure in there. I don't think someone like Jay Wright's the answer either. I, I think you need someone that can relate to veterans, that can also teach the youth, and that's someone that's going to hold people accountable. I think mm-hmm. those three traits are what they really need. It's funny when I was really praying that when Boston was having all these rumblings of cancers in the locker room, da, 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 last year, I'm like, go ahead, fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him, go ahead, fire him. <laughs> that's what I wanted. I wanted, like, that's kind of my, you know, now obviously it's all, it's all well and good, but like, you know, Nurch, like you said, with, 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 with Toronto, I mean, I think there's, there's a bunch of different guys you can kind of look at and, 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 and that's the, the DNA. That's the, the template I'm looking for, for them to hire somebody that, if that kind of answers the question a little better. So as a Sixers fan, are you willing to lean on a guy like, okay, so you said Nick Nurse. He was a relative unknown amongst NBA fans before last season. So are you willing to go that route where you like pull in a guy that doesn't really have the coaching chops as some of the more established options out there and you hope for the best? Kind of like Brett Brown. I mean, we, you know, nobody really knew who Brett Brown was. We recognized that he was on Greg Popovich's staff, um, both he and Mike Budenholzer and the Sixers made their choice? Or do you want to go with somebody that, like a, a sexier name, like a Tom Thibodeau or a Van Gundy? I don't like those. I'm, Mark- I'll spin it in the NFL terms. See, I've never been a guy that, like, so some of Packers, you can see the wall, I'm giant, giant Packers fan. So I like the whole Matt LaFleur hire. I like the whole, like, first-time head coach, because, like, McCarthy was like that and won a Super Bowl for him. So, like, I like that. 
I like getting the diamond in the rough. I don't like getting a used car, if you will. Mm-hmm. I just don't like someone that's already got a book on them a little bit. I want the next cutting edge guy, the guy that's going to set the trend. Um, right. Like Steve Kerr, for example, right. He hadn't coached anyone in the NBA. So it's like, right. I like that idea of mm-hmm. someone new. I mean, I'll say this, Monty Williams going to Phoenix that hurt. I, I, yeah. I liked him a lot. I thought yeah. that was kind of – I was hoping in my head that they would say, stick around because, you know, this guy's on the hot seat, and if not, you're, you're in. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe you need someone completely off the, the this Brett Brown kind of experience over the last few years. I don't, I don't know. I think yeah. you need someone that's going to break that culture up a little bit. If, 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 to your point, it goes just as flat as well, – let me ask you. I'm going to kind of volley back a question. You said to me that if they have somewhat of a respectable thing or if, like if, or if they have a good series and it ends kind of like the way last year – if they, I don't even care if they lose it identical fashion, buzzer beater game seven, kind of a feeling with Kawhi. If you lose in the second round again with this team, mm-hmm. is that, like, I don't care how, is that, is that like, he's got to get to at least the Eastern Conference finals, right? Yeah, I would, I would agree. And honestly, I look at it kind of like an Oklahoma City type of jump off when they had Russ Harden and Westbrook. Like, obviously, from a talent standpoint, things are a lot different, but look at their trajectory, okay? So their first year together, they lose in the first round to the eventual champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. That's in 2010. 2011, they go to the conference finals. They lose to the eventual champions, the Dallas Mavericks. 2012, they make the finals and then lose, obviously. And I kind of look at the Sixers trajectory as the same. Okay, so their first year together, they beat the Heat. They make the second round. They lose to the Celtics. Then then they come back. They do it again make it to the second round, seven games within this close of going to the conference finals. Like literally that four bounces away, five bounces away. And they lose in the second round. So it this does. year should be their year. They're, this year should be their year to make a conference finals appearance. You know, whether they can win it, I'm not confident in that. But I think that I think if things go the right way and they blossom the way we anticipate them and they mesh the way we anticipate the meshing, Conference finals should be no problem. They should be able to to not only go to the conference finals, but take it six or seven games. But we know how the Sixers are. That's a big but. So we got to wait and see. But that's how I, that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at, at their uprising, similar to that of a young OKC in terms of okay, each year we're taking another step and another step before we get into that championship window. So it's fun. I love what you said there because you just set it up on a tee for us. So I love what you guys, so, so real quick, anyone jumping on uh, at the top of the hour here first, we got BJ Boyer on from basketball society with us talking some all sorts of NBA hoops. And, and, and we're talking Sixers specifically right now. And, and I know you didn't do this article. So one of your counterparts, Justin Kirkland did this and I love this. So you got to relay this message to him for me that I, that I loved everything. I got to pull up this to anyone. Um, the, I get that. First sure. of all, actually, I'm going to pull this first up. So you got to check out the article first, just, uh, just my take that the Philadelphia 76ers are pretenders. I love this. I love this. So I have to play the clip because I think you even tease the kind of saying like watching them is not great. So I'm going to roll this 50 second clip for everyone right here. I get that. Sure. And when the 76ers are rolling, they really look like that juggernaut that we all expected them to be and continue to expect them to be whenever there's no basketball being played for whatever reason. But then the problem is we watched them play basketball. 29-2 and two at home this season, but was it 10-24 and, 10 and 24 on the road? So that level of Jekyll and Hyde just doesn't bode well in a neutral situation. Last I checked, we're playing in Orlando. We're not playing in Philly. I don't care if... Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are 150% healthy. That doesn't 
fix the issues on offense and how easy they are to guard. This is a team that was 18th in offensive efficiency this season and 21st in free throw weight. They're easy to guard and they're going to become even easier to guard in the playoffs for teams that are elite defensively and can match their size. I love it. I, it's so spot on. First of all, I love the analogy about the Instagram thing, but you know, I, we both, you know, you see a girl on Instagram or you're in college, yeah, you, know, you, you hear someone's class, you, know, you take a look at it. It's it's very spot. First of all, you gotta check out the whole video on 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 uh, the Basketball Society's YouTube channel. I'm gonna post uh, at the end of this all, all the links for everyone to give you guys follows. Um, awesome five minute video. You have to check it out. It's it's great. But to that point, it's he's so on the mark, BJ. Yeah. He's got it. <laughs> it's so spot on. He's got it. He's and I think I think just speaking from a place of fatigue because a lot of our Basketball Society guys are Sixers fans, so. You know, when the, when the, when the regular season's going, we hear it a lot. We we hear we we get into it a lot in our in our group message. So I think I think Justin's a little tired. You know, he's a little tired of hearing all the all the chatter. But yeah, Justin did a great job with that video, and and he was able to illustrate his points brilliantly. And I, I mean, I think you and I both agree with him. I, we we just we want it's like we want to have this belief in the Sixers. And when we talk about them, it's almost like we're trying to convince ourselves, like yeah, they're, they're title contenders, like they're. We'll, we'll keep saying it and eventually it'll be true, but you know, it's, it's yet to be seen. I, I just, I, for me, it's hard to respect the team that when one, like the Sixers were dominant at home, they, they had a stranglehold on the league when they were playing at Wells Fargo center. But as soon as they hopped on that plane, nah. And and that's what, see, that's the X factor. That I'm so confused, but, and like not even confused. So I get it. Right. They can't screw around when they're at home because people around here will ride them. I'm almost like good. Good, good. Like, like, I'm actually proud of the, the fans for doing such. But on the flip side, right, they go down, they travel, right? It just seems – here's the other thing, right? All these times it was, you know, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid would have, like, a GI infection. Like, I'm like, wow, every time they travel, huh? Like, and, you know, at first I kind of bought it, but then all these things coming out that they're partying all the time or whatever. Right? Okay, look, I'm not even trying to dive into that. My point is it just seems like they're not focused on the road at all. Mm-hmm. So – where do we find ourselves in this neutral bubble where you can't go out with the snitch hotline where they're going to call if you leave anyway? Like, we, is this team going to be more focused? I guess probably more direct way of asking the question. I would hope so. I mean, if, if, if they're not, that, that is a huge testament to their culture and their coaching staff. I mean, they have no choice but to be focused um, aside from practicing and playing basketball and the activities that the NBA has laid out for the players inside of the bubble, there's not much for them to do. So their focus should be on playing basketball and winning and playing championship level basketball, especially for a team like the Sixers, like, you know, a team like the Suns where making the postseason is is a long shot. It's like, okay, let's come and wrap up our eight games and, you know, try our best to leave on a high note and go into the offseason with, with some encouragement. But for a team like the Sixers, you should be like, we have a, a chance to shake things up, compete for a championship, do the unexpected. So their level of focus should be higher than most. Um, like I said, collectively, it'll, we'll see. It, it comes down to their leadership, both on, on the sidelines in terms of coaching and their leadership on the court to have guys locked in and Obviously, it's not Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons' jobs to go around from room to room and shake dudes up. Are you ready? You focus? You ready to play? But as 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 guys that set the barometer and you know are that benchmark, 
they should be locked in and the rest of the team should be prepared to follow suit. And like, we'll say, we'll see, like, like Jimmy Butler said, and when he went on JJ Reddick's podcast, he said, I didn't know who the leader was in Philly. That's so. Can I ask you, I'll almost step it back for a second. What was your whole thought on that? Like, did, I know the crowd that says like, ah, he's just, you know, blowing smoke after being on, you know, he's on the heat now. Or or you think that there's just pure honesty in there. He was right. He was hundred percent right. He, his reputation coming to the Sixers was as a guy that was an irritant. He was, he was confrontational. He was an asshole to, to be quite frank with you. Yeah. Excuse my language. No, no, you're good. That's why we're on Twitch. I don't care. (laughs) You know, coming into a, 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 a scenario like that, he didn't want to step on any toes or seemed like he was trying to be too authoritative or do too much from a leadership t- standpoint too soon as the new guy on the team. But eventually got to a point where he's like, yo, who the hell around here is the leader? And for him to say a guy like TJ McConnell, you think, you think, you think on the team, you think on the team with Kawhi Leonard, TJ McConnell is going to be the leader? No, I you don't. Think on the team with Giannis? Fun fact, he was actually in the same freshman class as me at Duquesne University. Wow, yeah, see each other in the dining hall. Yeah, yeah. So way, <laughs> way back when. But no, I no, I'm with you. It because it's I think you can look at right what he would have said. Okay, if if, if what he said, it just added up too much, right? Yeah. Like anyone's just sitting there saying, Oh, he's sour grapes. It's the same crap he said saying, like, oh, well, they're gonna be good this year because Ben Simmons threw down the floor and uh, they had time to think about everything that went wrong, and Ben Simmons is gonna shoot again, which is a whole nother thing. I'm actually I'm gonna go on that real quick for a second. I'm so tired of them talking. How many more times can they do this, right, where we have this little hiatus or, like, whether it's the All-Star break, summer, obviously. Now, obviously, this little corona, uh, you know, know, hiatus we had to take. There's always a video. There's always a tweet. There's always an Instagram post that that always is, oh, Ben Simmons is taking 9 billion shots in the gym. John B. lost 15 pounds, man. He's getting after it. I'm so – it is no different than – than someone that doesn't really they're not really interested in dating you but they're they're good enough to text you a lot like if that's that's all it is that's all it is just to keep you around yeah right? i mean right to me it's like i don't get fascinated because what don't like we've seen this movie too many times like yes. and i know i know how it ends and yeah i i understand why sisters fans would be optimistic for you know and hoping for an alternate ending but I'm not impressed by an NBA player making open jump shots in practice. I'm just not. And if you really study the film and, and look at the way he's shooting, yes, he looks more comfortable shooting the basketball than we've ever seen. But I still don't like the way he's launching that thing and the speed he's launching it at. He's going to be hard-pressed to get that off in a game against elite defenders. Imagine him trying to get that off with Pascal Siakam or Giannis or Chris Middleton or Jason Tatum on him. It's going to be difficult. Oh, he's, not, he's not going to be able to just do what he's doing in practice and, and cook up. And they're going to invite him to shoot that shot. It's just like LeBron early in his career. You know, LeBron was a much better jump shooter and much more comfortable jump shooter than Ben Simmons is currently. But the knock on LeBron was his lack of an outside shot. And if he made all of them, you live with it. And obviously you, you tweak your defense and try to ta- challenge him and make it a little bit more difficult. But anything to keep him away from the basket and off the free throw line. Um, Ben Simmons is, is, it's not the case. He's been better shooting free throws as of late, but as a coach, you're going to take your chances with him at the free throw line. You're going to take your chances with him shooting the jump shot. So they're going to be inviting him to take it. And yes, of course, if he makes one or two three pointers in a game, 
it's going to force defenses to reconsider and, you know, adjust the amount of respect they have for his outside jumper. But I don't think he's going to be coming down like Steph Curry or anything close and pulling. Like people seem like people seem to think that that's going to be the reality nowadays. He still has to prove in an NBA game, not even playoffs, regular season game that he can knock down multiple jump shots in a night. And then after that, he has to prove it that he can do it in a playoff setting where the defense is tightened up and scouting is a lot more intensive than it is during the regular season. So I, I'm, I'm just not buying it. I mean, I, I'm not buying it. Well, and look, here's the thing. So and you said it earlier in the show that you felt like it's, it's unfair. And I agree. So I'm almost going to kind of walk it in this way. So I feel like it's unfair to sit here and say, Ben Simmons isn't a good basketball player. He doesn't shoot. Okay. That's stupid. That's a horrible take. On the flip side, and this is actually what I said last night on our show, we briefly were touching on the Sixers a little bit. And I said, I feel like him not being able to shoot, if you will. Like, and I say that from the perspective of, right, you're going into a game, you know, he's not shooting and we're peeling off and, and playing off of him. Right. So it's like, okay, it's like going to war. You got your sword, you got your grenades, like you got your bulletproof vest, you got your helmet, you got your canteen. Where's your gun? Like, you got to at least have it there, like, in your repertoire. So at least people think you might be able to, sh- no, no pun intended, shoot at him. Like, like he, he doesn't, because I think to myself, man, oh, man, if you could just at least pretend to shoot, then people got to play up on you. You can get around him on your dribble drive. Like, like, his whole game, I feel like, would evolve. I'm, like, hitting my blinds here. His whole game would evolve if he could just shoot a little, like, just make people think you can do it. Yeah. And, and honestly, if he's even able to get to like 25 or 30 percent from three, it'll do wonders for him. I, I mean, Giannis is probably at about that now. If I if I looked at Giannis's stats, he's probably shooting 30, 31 percent from three. Is that great? No, it's well be- below league average. But for him, that's phenomenal because Giannis even, you know, 30 percent up from where he was. That means that at least now he's not only making some of them, but he's 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 taking and making them. So now you 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 have no choice but to at least respect this three point shot a little bit more than ever before, and that opens up new opportunities for him, for his teammates, spaces the floor a little bit more. Any inch you can buy on the court in terms of spacing in today's league is very very valuable. So if Ben Simmons can go from a five percent three-point shooter to a 25 to a 30 to a 31 we have to applaud that growth and applaud it loudly because a it means that he's putting in the work but b it's going to pay huge dividends for both he and the sixers so that i I, you know when when people say oh i want him to shoot i want him to shoot i'm not if you give him 10 three-pointers y'all should be ecstatic if he makes two or three i would be jumping for joy you know I hate that vibe though. Like the everyone going nuts when he hits a three and I'm just like, no, like, cause I think that's part of the problem. Like I'll at least give him that. I'm like, that doesn't help anyone when you, when you feel that extra, like, ugh, like, but, but it's funny because now I'm almost going to like go against what I just said. Here's the one issue I have with him not shooting. And I think he even said something like during the, the, the quarantine break, right. That he felt the pressure from the fans. You saw, Giannis you saw someone like Pascal Siakam right you saw LeBron in his young career like you've seen guys with star potential that it's kind of an array of different players but at the same point the common denominator was they all had to get better at shooting yes. and they at least went there mm-hmm. he doesn't go there and, and and I guess the argument is oh well that wasn't the best that wasn't the best usage of that possession okay but when you're playing the Pistons in February on a Tuesday when you guys are like taking the night off anyway shoot it like, right. like we need to see you shoot it 
it's not even that when your coach says you should be shooting one a game and you don't, that's open defiance of your coach. Now, granted, yes, you can argue that your coach should have came to you and not the media, but you know, sometimes that Phil Jackson is a guy that used to play games through the media with his players all the time. He would purposely filter things when he coached the Lakers through the media that so we get back to the team. So, I mean, yes, like I said, you could argue the approach, but nonetheless, the request was still there. And Ben Simmons didn't even acknowledge it. And that's coming from your coach, which, you know, we can circle back to the point we were talking about earlier, Brett Brown, not having that command and that respect of the team. If your coach asks you to do something, you're, you probably should do it. You know, well, and the thing is, I hated how that was phrased too. like, Oh, cause it's kind of took me back to like, like we were talking about Mauer league earlier in the show. It's almost like we would say, okay, well, you gotta make three passes before someone can shoot. If like, you're like a, a young team, the kids learning the game, right. Or, or having a hard time learning like the chemistry, if you will, mm-hmm. it, it, it sounds juvenile. Oh, I'd like him shooting one a game. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't need that. Why can't this just be a normal thing? Like Joel Embiid apparently has no problem just jacking up threes all night long. Like he doesn't talk about it. That's and, another, and that's a whole other thing. Look, but but look what it does for his game. He's not a great three point shooter at all. He probably he he misses a ton. Like he's not he's percentage well, he wise. He's not, you know what I mean? But when he's out there and he does this, how mm-hmm. many times have you seen players bite on this? Oh yeah, just because they recognize the threat, the threat of him shooting the basketball. Not he he's he's I'm you know what? Hold on, let's I want to look up his three point percentage because now I'm curious. You know, let's do it. Tries Alexa. What is Joel Embiid's career three-point percentage? I got it right here. You ready? 32.3%. He's 30. Yep. Wow, Alexa, great work. Oh, awesome job. Wow, that's pretty good. This year, he's 34.8, okay, on damn near four attempts a game. So pretty good for a guy of his size and, you know, pretty high volume. But teams will live with that. In a playoff scenario, if you're taking away a seven-foot, the most dominant postal player in the game today, away from the basket, teams will live with that and embrace it. But although he's not a knockdown, consistent three-point shooter, the fact that he's a threat and a respectable one opens up so much for him at the top of the key where he can utilize his ability to handle the ball and his footwork and his his mobility for a guy of his size. Like he, sh- The way he moves after he pump fakes and, and hits him with that jab a guy of his size and weight shouldn't be able to move like that, but he's able to utilize those elements of his game all based off of a basic pump fake. Now imagine Ben Simmons gets there. Imagine Ben Simmons pump faking a guy closing out hard, leaving his feet. He's around that guy. and He's going to the rim for a dunk. And if somebody comes over to help, he's one of the best passers in the league. He's exactly. Right exactly. It's, it's perfect. That's what I'm saying. It's the key that can unlock his game. That's why I don't get why. It, to me, and I'm not trying to say be like, oh, I think he's mentally soft. I don't. I'm not saying that, but I just, I'm like, guy, you got to be able to think, like, think about what this can do for your game. Like that's that's what drives me crazy about him saying like, ah, oh, you know, people are pressuring me. It's like, yes, they're pressuring you because it might work. And I understand there's the crowd, the crazy crowd here, I, you know. But but you know, it's fine. I'm actually thinking my head. I'm thinking like all oh, the possibilities with him and and being down low, playing the four and the five, and the different types of spacing opportunities that can create, but. The first, it's so funny. I swear that <laughs> I'm thinking of this in the moment. So I'm looking at my notes about the Sixers. I had two pages, BJ, two pages. And not, not one of them had anything. And I, and I just feel like this is the common like trend with, with this player. He's so forgetful now. Al Horford, no one's talking about him. Like it, it is dead as dead can be. So 
make sense of it. I'm almost going to put pressure on you to say, is there any chance he's a sleeping giant that can come off the bench? Or is this just a horrible, horrible, like two people were hammered at a party in college. They hooked up and then they thought it would be a good idea to start dating for a month, but it was the, the worst relationship okay. ever kind of thing. Like, is, it, is it that? I just think it's a bad marriage. The, the, the numbers on the contract, his overall fit on the team. To me, it's like the Sixers signed him. They're like, okay, we need Joel Embiid insurance for, you know, if he gets hurt or if he misses an extended period of time. But, like, they didn't consider anything else. Like, they just went out and grabbed Al Horford, and they didn't consider the makeup of the team or his fit. And, I mean, it's, it's been no secret that the, the partnership between the two is, has been sour. I mean, fans aren't, aren't cool with it. Brett Brown hasn't been able to crack the code. We've heard Al Horford express some grief over um, his role and, and, and how he's utilized on the court. I just think that, you know, obviously the break has kind of given everybody some time to recalibrate and reassess. So we'll see how they go back into things. I've been reading tweets saying Al Horford sometimes has been playing with the second team. And I, I still think he's one of the premier big men in the league all around. I mean, I, I think he can pretty much start on, on most teams. But it appears as if the Philadelphia 76ers just isn't one of them. And I think their overall team makeup uh, just doesn't coincide too, too well with Al Horford's uh, uh, style of play. And it's unfortunate because he's a good guy, high character, you know, known as a leader, multiple time all-star. He's a guy that you really haven't heard a lot of players say a bad word or media members say a bad word about. And it's like he gets here and things have just shifted in a mysterious way it's poison it's poisonous it is, and, and, it's a brett and brown it, poisonous cocktail and it stinks because you want to try to trade that contract well guess what you're probably gonna have to sweeten the deal with either a draft pick or a shake milton or a cork Maz. and you know depending on what the return is i don't know if the sixers can afford that shake milton is one of the only other reliable playmakers that can handle the ball you know possession after possession on the team Furkan Korkmaz is one of the best shooters on the team. You're going to need him come playoff time to stretch that floor. So it's, it's, it's it may be tough to maneuver out of the Al Horford situation contractually for the Sixers. Um, but I, I mean, it just stinks. It just stinks that things haven't been able to work out. And that's what happens sometimes. I mean, things look good on paper. You, you, you conjure ideas up in your mind and you, you start to think about how things may work. And then you get to that moment and it just falls apart or it doesn't fall into place the way you anticipate it. And, you know, maybe it is on Brett Brown to go back to the drawing board and figure out like Al Horford is a really good basketball player. How can I figure out to integrate him into our team? But in other cases, sometimes you just can't force it. Sometimes it doesn't work. I still think that we should reserve judgment. We did. We did see a lot. We saw pretty much more than half the season. But, um, you know, now as the Sixers kind of take a newer approach to their lineup and how they're going to utilize guys like Simmons and Shake Milton. We'll see what what the what the the role that's cut off for Al Horford is. I I, I mean I have a very hard time. I'm gonna just say this: when it comes down to it, and the Sixers are closing playoff games, I have a very hard time picturing Al Horford being on the floor. Yeah, that's the problem. Think, I know think because he's that that makes him probably the most expensive bench player in the NBA. Someone needs to get fired over that statement, though. I feel like either the GM or the coach. See, that, that that's kind of my thought. I'm like, okay, see, it just feels like every time every player gets here, it just turns into knots. And it's like, okay, well, that's the coach. It has to be, right? Because I, well, I think it's the culture and the coach. It's the coach I, not making a better culture for things to turn around a little bit. 
I, w- I would agree. And and it's very rare to, to see a guy as as happy and cheerful as Al Horford kind of sulking and, and saying negative things about his role and the overall vibe of the team. That it definitely doesn't um that it, it's, it's not it's not the language you want to hear from a team that, that you hope is uh is, is close to chasing the championship. But you know, maybe maybe I you know the 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 break gave Brett Brown the opportunity to, to rethink some things and we'll see how he reapproaches it. But I think, I think both sides are after this season, I think both sides will kind of be looking for ways to, to move on no matter how difficult it may be. Well, it's funny. You, you talk about contending teams. So I'll say it's wrap up the show tonight. So let's, let's kind of do a little prediction here. So yes. two teams, maybe on each side, you kind of feel like might play in the conference finals and who's going to meet in the end and who's going to kind of, I'm going to kind of, we'll do a little final four prediction, if you will, from you. Okay, so in the East, give me, damn, give me the Bucks. The Bucks gonna be there. For me, it's between the Raptors and the Celtics. Mm. You know what? Honestly, I think I gotta go with the Celtics. And the only reason I say that, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Raptors beat them because I think they're fully capable of. I just think that the Celtics went healthy between Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. They have a little bit more star power from an offensive standpoint to lean on. And Gordon Howard is both, a shooter, or Gordon Hayward. I can't talk. Gordon Hayward is a shooter, and we both know how important that is. Your superstars is what powers you over the top. That's what wins you playoff series and playoff games. And um, I just think, you know, both teams are battle tested. Both teams have made conference finals appearance over the last few years and have had deep playoff runs. So I just, I just, from a talent standpoint, I got to give the nod to the Celtics. Although I will say that the Raptors' front court can really do some damage if. Uh, you know, if things shape up correctly. Marcus Saul is looking very healthy and spry. Serge Ibaka is still an effective two-way player. So they they that's going to be a battle. But give me the Celtics and the Bucks in the East, and I got the Bucks coming out. And then in the West, <laughs> give me the Lakers and the Clippers. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, what you think I'm going to say? As a Lakers fan, what you mean? Oh, the Clippers going to win. I think, think both of them are great. I, it's fun. I think I think that's going to be just such great basketball. That series would be. It's going to be a seven game. It's going to be a seven game knockout, drag down. It's going to be a war. It's going to be a bat. To me, honestly, the Western Conference Finals, and I have a lot of respect for Giannis and the Bucks, but I just don't. I don't have that championship level respect for them yet. So I view the Western Conference Finals as the real NBA Finals. I think whoever wins that series is is going to win the championship. Um, but as a Lakers fan, I can't go against my squad. I got to say Lakers in seven, but I'm going to add a disclaimer. It wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Clippers beat us. It, it really wouldn't. They're deep. They're talented. They have a guy that has proven that he can not only hold his own against LeBron, but one up him. Um, they have Lou Williams. And I'll be honest, y'all, I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely real with you. And this is, this is one of my hot takes. I'm more scared of, of, of Lou Williams in a playoff series than I am Paul George. What's the last really? clutch What's the last clutch moment, big time moment, Paul George has had in the playoff series? I'll oh, it's, he's he's the anti Kawhi Leonard, to be honest. It's, you know, he he never he never shows up when it matters most. And watch me say this, and I've been saying this all year. Watch me say this, and watch watch Game Seven, George for three, bang! Watch, listen, I'm gonna be right where y'all Sixers friends were last year. I hope not, but I mean the the Clippers. I mean, like I, we all know how good they are, but can you really rock against the king and, and AD? 
So we'll I've see. Always, I mean, I've always kind of felt like this is the Lakers year. I don't know why. It just it just has that feeling. It doesn't it feel like it, right? They won the championship in 2000. They won it in 2010. Why not 2020? Let's do it. Let's do it. The top of the top of each decade championship. Come on, bring it bring it on home to me. It's funny in the back of my head, though. I keep thinking if there's ever a time the Sixers team would randomly win, like and then they like they do nothing else after this. They win like the bubble year. It would be this, right? Just they win and we're all kind of like. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. Like, you know, but then and, then and then you think a dynasty's coming, and then nope. And then because it's just like buying a Brett Brown for like seven more years, and it's just <laughs> I could totally see it. It would be like the only way a championship would actually sour me a little bit. <laughs> but all right, it's all right. We're talking about this real quick. So we're wrapping up the show. So you're talking about deep and talented. Um, basketball society, that's 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 you guys all, all to a T. So I'm gonna throw this up real quick for everyone. So so make sure you're following these guys and, and checking them out. So I even got all the links up. So we got on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, you can check them out, and also subscribe to their YouTube uh, channel as well. Um, all three links are, are uh, or all three uh, graphics are posted up there on the screen for everybody. Check them out; it's awesome stuff. I'm going to pull up also their homepage again um, before we got on the, we kind of start the show off, and you can see some of their kind of uh, headlines and different tabs. And like we were saying, BJ, it's just so cool how you have high school, college, MBA, you know, and it's and you even got like the culture standpoint. I was looking at all the sneaker stuff. I mean, I think it's just so cool. Thank just you. all the different stuff you guys have. And, and the link is up. Uh, and I'm going to repost it real quick in the chat. Um, make sure real quick that everyone has it. Uh, real quick, just, just make sure watch time. it. I want to shout out my basketball society family. Martin, Fish, Aram, Justin, Felix, Ty, everybody. Ev, love y'all. You know you know how we do it. You know how we rocking. Respect. Give us a follow. Be on the lookout. NBA resumption is next week. We're going to have plenty of content coming for y'all. Make sure you're in the lookout. We're going to have some lot of cool stuff, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. So make sure you're tapped in. Make sure you're tuned in for sure. You guys are my go-to basketball source now. I'm not even kidding. When I saw it, I fell in love with your website in two seconds. I was like, oh, my God, this is like what I want. I just want, I just want X's. And I, I want great basketball minds. And just reading your stuff, it's – if you really like, – if you're someone that doesn't know basketball, for example, and you're going to some type of party, a watch party this weekend, you want to seem smart, maybe, maybe girl, you're talking to on Hinge or something you know, as a Sixers fan or something, go check out their stuff, read up on it. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll sound smart if you go to the play. It's, it's that cool. And like I said, on the flip side, you know, people like us that just have grown up our whole lives with basketball, it's for you too. I mean, the X's and O's and everything. It is, it is the real deal. It is really awesome stuff. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll tell you, and while, you know, while, while we're in the good vibes, I'll even tease us. So make sure you uh, follow and subscribe to our Twitch channel right now. Uh, if you haven't already, you can hit the heart to the left there for the follow. And if you uh, want to subscribe, it's free on Amazon Prime. So if you have uh, Amazon Prime, it's free to subscribe to our channel. You can get some cool stuff. And if not, it's only $4.99. So we always joke around and say it's like not buying that one last beer at the bar. You know, it's, that's good advice for Chris Brown, by the way. But um, but anyway, <laughs> but check us out real quick also. If you're, if you're not watching us on Twitch and you're catching up on our latest episodes, uh, you can download everything on Spotify uh, and iTunes. You can check us out on social media, Instagram. Twitter and Reddit at underscore get sidetracked. And then check us out on Twitch if you're listening to this as a recorded version later on in the future in life. Uh, make sure you check us out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash get underscore sidetracked. Uh, and be sure to check us out on our website, www.get-sidetracked.com. Well, BJ, this has been so much fun. I'm so, this, thank you so much for coming on. And, and I'll tell you, we have to make a routine of this because yeah. especially with the six, you're going to be my sixers therapist, first of all, because I'm just sitting there. I'm wait. I'm so ready to get my. It's like that office thing. I'm ready to get my heart broken again.
Got my therapy chair right here. I'm ready for you. Step, step, step into the office. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank everyone for listening tonight. So we'll be we'll be off tomorrow. We'll be back on the air tomorrow. Or not, geez, I mean, I'm losing it. See, that's what happens when you start thinking about the Sixers and playoffs. It just kind of it, it makes you, you lose your mind. <laughs> yeah, it does. It riddles your mind. So we want to thank everyone for listening. We'll be back on the air, not tomorrow. We'll be back on Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Baseball's coming back, so we'll be talking a little bit about that. I know Joe G's Yanks are going to be playing. So, yeah, we're gonna, you know, this is good vibes, right, BJ? We've got sports coming back. This is great Man, stuff. We missed it. We missed it. Baseball. Basketball, hockey, we we need it all, man. We need it all. Oh my god, absolutely. We want to thank everyone for listening. So we'll see everyone in the living room on Thursday at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Cheers, everyone.